Stumble on in here, troops. You've made it to Thursday. You are to be congratulated. This is Thursday, August the 12th, 2021. Hi, this is Bob Pro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. Chester and I have uh, selected a very good Western for you today because that's what we do on Thursdays. On Thursdays, we play an old time radio Western. So we do have a good one. You can tell by the background music that we're getting in the Old West mood. You know, out there on the prairie, uh, looking at the prairie dogs. And What we're going to be doing today is wandering into Dodge City, Kansas, back around 1874. But we'll tell you more about that in a minute. In the meantime, I want you, or I request that you, uh, go over and get in that big easy chair of yours. Get your feet up. Ah, yeah, just got to stretch out there. Maybe get a little something cool to drink. I know it's hot in most of the country today. It's going to be a real humdinger of a scorcher here, let me tell you. But that's okay. We're inside. The air's cool, and we are having a little refreshment and just letting the cares of the day drift away. It's coming up in just a moment is this week's old-time radio western. It is time for us to meet up with the good folks at Dodge City, Kansas, circa 1874. We are going to walk up Front Street, shoulder to shoulder with Marshal Matt Dillon. Along the way, we are going to run into Doc and Kitty and Chester, except we're not. Not tonight. We're not going to meet meet Chester. We're not going to meet Doc, and we're not going to meet Kitty. And the reason why is this episode of Gunsmoke we're going to listen to tonight 
was very early in the run. It's from 1952, so it was uh, the first year, August the 30th, 52. I think it was like number nine or 10, something like that, maybe even earlier. And what's unique about it is when Gunsmoke was new, they were still developing it. And they had not yet introduced all of the characters. And the characters they did, they hadn't really fleshed out uh, nearly as well as they did as the show progressed. And so tonight, you are going to hear Matt talking to a bar matron who is over the other bar matrons. But her name is Brandy. And Doc, although I do believe he was in some of these earlier episodes, was a much different Doc. He was sort of a town drunk and sort of a Charles Adams type figure. They actually, his name in this was Charles Adams. It was a, a takeoff on the Adams family creator, sort of ghoulish. And that was the idea with Doc in the beginning. But of course, uh, he became a much more likable character as the years went on. But this one is entitled The Juniper Tree. And it was first broadcast on August the 30th in 1952 on CBS. Now, I listened to this two nights ago and worked on it a little bit to make sure the sound was good and whatnot. And what I don't remember is why it was called The Juniper Tree. Now, later on, John Meston used to have great fun with some of his Gunsmoke titles, and he would name them things that either were very, very intelligent or they were so intelligent that dumb Bob could never figure out what they were. But uh, I don't know why this was entitled The Juniper Tree. Maybe you'll catch it as you listen to it tonight. Good story, uh, some pretty good characters, and one really um, (laughs) doozy of a female character uh, is introduced in this one tonight. So enjoy it, everybody. Here we go from 1952. Gunsmoke and the Juniper Tree. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. I see you received my complaint. I got it, Mingo. Where's Stanley? Where do you think? Upstairs. 
Brandy? Naturally. She always does mother him when he's in trouble. <laughs> be careful, Marshal. He might be dangerous. <laughs> Got a sweet word for Dixie? Yeah. Move. Oh, it's not very sweet. It was to the point. <laughs> Say hello to Jim for me, huh? Go away. It's me, Brandy. Matt. Come in, Matt. Join me in a drink? Where is he, Brandy? In the next room. Cried himself to sleep. Save it, Brandy. I gotta take him. Oh, why, Matt? Jim Stanley never did a mean thing in his life. He's no bad man. He stole money from Mingo's roulette table and he threw a bottle at him when he was caught. Mingo's present charges. Stanley can clear himself in court. Huh. Against Mingo's witnesses? Do you bring Stanley out or do I go get him? Go get him. But I wouldn't be proud, Matt. Stick to running dance hall, girls, Brandy. Let me run the law, huh? Stanley. Stanley! Hmm? Hmm? Oh, it's you, Marshal. I'm sleeping. I want you to come with me, Jim. Come with you? You better get up. Come on. Mm. Come on. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, where are we going, Marshal? Would you like to visit my ranch? I got a new coat. You prettiest little sorrel you ever saw. Jim, she... We're going to jail. Jail? Me, Marshal? Do I have to? Yes, Jim. I've never been in a jail. I'm sorry, Jim. No. No. I, I can't go in there. No, Marshal, I ain't never been locked up before. Please don't make me. I have to. I didn't mean to do it. Honest, I just lost my head when I realized my money was gone. I wouldn't have kept those chips. I know that. I, I just grabbed them. I don't know why... They were there, and I just grabbed them, and then Mingo started in on me. Kept saying things, bad things about... Take it easy, Jim. I wouldn't have cared, except that, well, Dixie was there. He kept yelling at me that I was a thief, right right in front of her. I tried to make him stop, and he wouldn't. Then something happened. The, the bottle was there. And... You threw it at Mingo? No, no, I just threw it, Marshal. I was crazy. I, I didn't mean to hurt nobody. I believe you, Jim. Marshal, uh, will you ask Dixie to come and see me later? Yeah, sure, I'll ask. Her. Thanks. I just want to tell her not to blame Mingo for all this. She might say something or give up her job. Don't worry, Jim. I don't think Dixie's going to give up anything. <laughs>
He won't eat his dinner, Mr. Dillon. He just sits there staring. Yeah, poor devil. He won't really be convicted, will he? Well, I hope not, Chester. Mingo's the one who ought to be in jail. Look, Chester, this isn't exactly my idea of justice either. A shady gambler against a simple-minded horse rancher. Hello, Marshal. Goodbye, Chester. Hmm? <laughs> oh, goodbye. I'll run along. You stay put, Chester. Oh, now, Marshal, I want to be alone with you. I sent for you to come and visit Jim Stanley, and you better be nice to him. <laughs> Most fellows are tickled pink if I like them. They say I'm pretty. You're pretty enough. Hmm, that's, that's better. I knew you liked me. I said you were pretty. I didn't say I liked you. Oh, now that's nasty. Would you like to hear what I really think of you? No, don't bother. I get the idea. You're Mingo's girl. When I feel like it. And why do you have to tease a man like Stanley, drive him to drinking and gambling and trouble like he's in now? He's sweet. He thinks I'm beautiful. Yeah. But even men like him wake up. Stick to Mingo. Hello, Marshal. Thought I'd drop in and see if your prisoner was all set for trial tomorrow. Mingo, I want you to withdraw those charges. And let that potential murderer go free? <laughs> no. You got back the chip Stanley took from your table, and his assaulting a man like you is ridiculous. He doesn't even wear a gun. A bottle constitutes a deadly weapon. Look it up, Marshal. Why are you doing this, Mingo? Why pick on a man like Stanley? Let's say I don't like him always slobbering over Dixie. She's private property. For that greedy little vixen he had sent Stanley to prison, knowing that it will probably crack his mind completely? That's his problem. You don't understand, Mingo. I don't like to see people pushed around. Well, don't cross me, Marshal. I already have. People get dead that way. Yeah, so I've heard. Now, just who are these witnesses of yours against Stanley? Ned Cole, Saginaw Henry. Both on your payroll. Dixie. Some of the other girls. All working for you, huh? Jim Stanley's as good as convicted, Marshal. There's not a thing you can do about it. Drink this. Ah, uh, thanks, Brandy. <clears throat> you know, all you need to do is stop fighting yourself, Matt. You're mixed up. Yeah, that's sure true, Brandy. You know, it's funny when, when it's something you can fight with your fists and your guns, it's easy. But how do you fight a deal like this? You've got to clear Jim somehow. Now, with those witnesses against him, Jim can't win in court. Technically, he's a criminal. Oh, criminal, my foot. He admits the crimes. The judge will have to sentence him to at least a minimum jail term. We know there are witnesses who can prove he's innocent. Now, a smart man would find a way to make him talk. I've been thinking about it. Well, I'll tell Jim you were asking after him, huh? I think he'd like that. Mm, he's Dixie's. I had me a man once, Matt. I traded him for a bottle of brandy. <laughs> I 
paid a stiff price for my name. You're not through yet, Brandy. Oh, sure. <laughs> I play mother to everybody. Take everybody's troubles on my shoulders. Help salve my conscience. <laughs> Don't ever hurt a person, Matt. You never get through paying for it. Well, I, I better be going. Where? To try to get some of those witnesses to talk. Saginaw. Huh? Oh, it's you. I've been looking for you. And you've been looking for trouble. Well, you're beginning to sound like your boss, Mingo. It's late. What do you want? I want to read you something from this book. What book? This law book. Oh, so? First law I see says that uh, anyone giving a drink to an Indian is liable to fine up to $500. I saw you buy an Indian Pete a drink only last week. Pete's a stable boy. He ain't no savage. Law doesn't say savage. Says Indian. Pete's an Indian. So technically, you broke the law. You can't make Next any... Next one says any man that disrobes in a public place is guilty of committing a public nuisance. Carries a fine of $100. Look, what the devil is all... I saw you breaking a horse down in Harrison's Corral a little while back. You took your shirt off, and that's disrobing in a public place. Technically. You can't get away with this, Dylan. How much you make a month, Saginaw? Fifty, seventy-five. Uh-huh. Well, the way it looks, I can get you fined on enough of these laws to keep you broke for about five years. Five years? Then we can start all over again. You're, you're bluffing. I never even heard of these well, laws. Well, look that... for yourself here. If you witnesses are going to send Jim Stanley to jail on a technicality, then a lot of you are going to jail the same way. Well, laws may be there, but... They ain't fair. All right, Saginaw, that's how you want it. Come on, let's go to jail. No, no uh, wait. Well, then start talking. Well, Dixie shilled Stanley into losing his money, and, and me and Ned Cole egged him into grabbing a couple of chips when the wheelman wasn't looking. On Mingo's orders? Sure. Stanley looked down at the chips we swiped, and uh, he reached out to hand them back when Mingo jumped him. What was Dixie doing? Trying to keep from laughing. Yeah, I'll bet. And then what? Mingo rode Stanley hard to make him break down in front of Dixie. And finally, the poor lunkhead seemed to go crazy. He yelled and tossed a bottle at the bar. Not at Mingo? No, missed him by ten feet. Stanley was just working off his mad by busting the bottle. Paid for it, I guess he had the right. Yeah, I guess he had. First, I think Mingo was just deviling Stanley and... And he got the idea to press charges and send him to jail. We got orders out to testify. Uh-huh. Well, thanks, Saginaw. Uh, Marshal, uh, I'd like you to know something. Yeah? I'm glad I told you about Stanley, because framing him into prison isn't my idea of something to be proud of. It shouldn't be. <laughs> Ah, good evening, Chester. My, 
What are you so happy about, Mr. Dillon? <laughs> everything, Chester, everything. Is it about Jim Stanley? It is about Jim Stanley. He's going to clear himself in court tomorrow. Come on, let's go tell him. Well, gracious, that is good news. He couldn't have taken much more of being locked up. <laughs> I know. Hey, Jim, wake up. We're going to bring... Jim. Mr. Dillon, he's, he's gone. Both window bars are cut. Yeah. And here's what cut him. Hacksaw blade. And look yonder, there's another. Oh, that fool. Why couldn't he have waited one more day and he'd have been free? Jim Stanley didn't have those hacksaw blades on him, Mr. Dillon. I know I searched him good. You searched Dixie good? Hmm? Oh, mercy, no, Mr. Dillon. She's a girl. He didn't have any other visitors? No, sir. Mingo's going to be awful mad when he finds out his girl helped Jim Stanley get away. Come on. You going to arrest Dixie, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester. First, I got to find her. Aren't you, Marshal? Where's Dixie, Mingo? Dixie, she's gone. I don't know where she is. You're lying. Oh, I swear she disappeared hours ago. I still think you're lying. Dixie's here someplace. No, he's telling me the truth for once, man. Dixie's gone, all right. Are you sure, Brandy? Saw her ride out of town. With Stanley? Yeah, Matt. The two of them. Dixie and Stanley? Dixie passed him some saw blades. He cut his way out. That rotten double-crossing hellcat. She's your girl, Mingo. I'll be the laughing stock of Dart City. Good. I hope they laugh you clear out of Kansas. <laughs> it's the last thing I'll do. I'll find her. Both of them. Finding them is my job, Mingo. Go ahead. But you better beat me to them, or you'll be arresting them dead. <laughs> They stopped here, all right. Probably changed horses and got some supplies. That wasn't why Stanley came home. Look, Chester. What? Water in the stock trough is right up to the top. The barn's open. Feed pulled out where the stock can reach it. Even scared to death, Jim thought about his animals first. Mr. Dillon, you think Mingo's trailing Stanley and Dixie, too? Uh, perhaps. It's one good reason why we better catch him quick. Come on. Still no sign. Uh, looks like we've lost them for good now. What do we do, go back, Mr. Dillon? Well, we can't let Mingo find them. Sure, but the way they've been zigzagging back and forth for the last four days, we don't have a chance in a thousand. I'm not so sure, Chester. Hmm? You know, there's a certain pattern about the way Stanley and Dixie have been moving. I don't think they're trying to leave this section at all. Yeah, we have been getting closer and closer to Dodge with every circle lately. And not only to Dodge. Mr. Dillon, you got an idea? Yeah, maybe. Come on, we'll ride back to Stanley's ranch. You think they came back here? I will soon find out. But from what we saw here before, I'll bet Stanley's not the kind to stay away from his ranch for very long. Whoa! I'm hit the dirt. 
Behind the trough. Yeah. It's Jim Stanley. There's his horse. Yeah. All right, keep your eyes open. Stanley! Jim, it's Matt Dillon. Let me talk to you. You go away, Marshal. I don't want to hurt you, but I ain't going back to that jail. And you go away now. I'll kill you. Jim, listen to me. I've got a witness. You better leave quick now. Please, Marshal. Mr. Dillon, I'm getting wet. It's better than getting shot. Keep your head down. Yes, Sure he is wet. Stanley's in a good position. Closest cover for us is the barn. That's across 50 yards of clearing. That's a long run. He could pick us off before we made 10 feet. Yeah. Jim, I'm not leaving until I've talked to you. Leave me alone, Marshal. Can't you leave me alone? I'm coming to talk to you, Jim. No! No, stay back. I warn you. Mr. Dillon, don't do it. That's a crazy man. That's a frightened man, Chester. I'm coming unarmed, Jim. I don't think you're a murderer, but if you are, this is your chance. Well. Good, Good luck, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> Mr. Dillon. Stanley's shot sliced across my side like a branding iron. It was all I could do to ignore my fear and keep going. But somehow I reached the ranch house alive. And I opened the door. Jim Stanley stood there holding his gun and crying. Jim. I, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I, I was only trying to scare you. I'm not a killer. I, I never shot anybody in my life. Honest, Marshal. I know that, Jim. I, I'm afraid. I've always been afraid of things. I try like be like other people it only seems to bring trouble you can stop being afraid of the law and jail right now that's all over with you you mean that marshal really really but, but i shot you did you i don't recall oh but mr dillon shot hit your side right right there you see it it's bleeding now jim listen to me you didn't shoot me oh well, all right, if if you say so, Mr. Dillon. I say so. Here, I'll take that rifle. Now, let's go back to town and get this business settled, huh? You've been good to me, Marshal. Forget it, Jim. There is one thing, though. Dixie. Oh, she brought me hacksaw blades. I know that. She said you were going to hang me and that, that I had to escape. She kept saying... Uh-huh, oh. she was riding with you. 
Well, where is she now? Oh, she left me last night. I was glad. I was nearly wild listening to her talk about you and prison. <laughs> I even swore I'd kill myself before I'd go back to jail. I'm glad she didn't mean it. Oh, I meant it at the time. Oh, I was sure scared. You feel better now? Oh, yeah. Yes, I know everything is just going to be... The rifle slug splashed the side of Jim's face with red and he crumpled into the dirt. From the water trough, Chester opened up and drew the fire of whoever was hiding in the hayloft of the barn. I could see a gun barrel poking up from the side of the hayloft. I picked up Stanley's rifle... Bingo. Dylan, are you all right? Yeah, Chester. But Mingo's dead. Well, how about Jim Stanley, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, he was scared more than hurt. He should come to any minute. Well, my goodness. Oh, this looks like a sure enough war's been happening around here. Where have you been, Dixie? Oh, sure now, Marshal. A, a girl's got a right to look after her uh, investments. My Mingo and Stanley both dead. Well, now that's a real shame. Hmm? Oh, but Jim Stanley. Uh, Chester. Be... You said investments. The only investment you've made is prison time for helping Jim escape. Me? Well, how are you going to prove anything, Marshal? With Jim dead. But he's. Your... Chester, why don't you go look after the horses? But, Mr. Dillon. Yes, sir. It's a right good thing because I'm going to be terribly busy, you know, taking care of poor Jim's ranch and money and, and of course, the funeral and everything. Why should all that concern you, Dixie? Because I'm Jim Stanley's widow. What? I married him three days ago in this city. It was such a sweet wedding. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And... Now, all I have left are some memories. And, of course, this little old ranch and Jim's money. Dixie, there's something you should know. Hmm? You also got a husband. Have you heard enough, Jim? Enough. Jim! When I, I saw you fall... Pure, pure bad, Dixie. Oh, Jim, you, you mustn't pay no mind to what I said. I, I was upset didn't I come back just to be with you? No good, Dixie. Jim's on to you now. Jim, are you going to let him talk to me like that? He's my friend. And I don't like you now, Dixie. Oh, it's too bad. I'm still your wife. Marshal, can she make that stick? Well, by law, you have to support her, Jim. Of course, I don't say how. Marshal, you stop putting ideas And of course, in... she has to take care of your house for you, Jim. Clean it, do the chores, cook for you. Cook? Me? Cook for him? He can make you, Dixie. It's his right. <laughs> All right, I'm not. I'd like to see him try. He can do it, Dixie. Yeah? Well, I can't if I'm not here. And I'm leaving right now. You want to ride into town with us, Jim? No, I think I'd rather stay here for a while, Marshal. If it's all right. Yeah, sure, sure, I'll fix it. But in a few days, when you feel like it, come in and see me, and we'll help you get that divorce taken care of. Divorce? 
On grounds of desertion. She just deserted you, remember? Chester and I are your witnesses. Oh. Well, thanks, Marshal. I sure do thank you. So long, Jim. Bye, Marshal. Bye. Come on, Chester, let's go. Uh, he's had it too rough out here on the frontier, hasn't he, Mr. Dillon? Uh, Jim Stanley, I mean. It's addled him, sort of. Yeah, I guess that's it, Chester. <clears throat> Men like him need looking after. Yeah, we got all kinds out here, Chester. Come on, let's get back to town. Smoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Herb Purdom, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner and Michael Ann Barrett, with Paul Dubov, Vivi Janice, and Bill Lally. Harley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. <laughs> broadcast on August the 30th, 1952, one of the very early episodes of Gunsmoke entitled The Juniper Tree. One way you can always tell if it's an earlier episode is by the uh, sound effects of the guns. We've talked about that before. It was like a year and a half or two years later where they really came up with some much better sound effects, realistic sound effects of the six-shooters. Uh, but this was a good good episode tonight. I thought it was a good story, well-developed. We got to know Matt a little better. We got to know Chester a little better. Kitty is coming in the very near future, and um, we'll see Doc probably next time we play Gunsmoke.
thusly we slam the lid on yet another week. But do not despair, because next Monday an old-time radio comedy will be forthcoming. On Tuesday we'll have a drama, on Wednesday we'll have a mystery, and another Western next Thursday. So glad you stopped by. I hope you enjoyed our uh, selection tonight, and uh, do join us. On the weekend, this weekend, we will have uh, the archive show. I'm not sure about a grab bag. I haven't worked on it yet. I may be able to do something with that tomorrow, but I don't have a lot of time. Don't have a lot of time. All right, we're going to go out tonight. Uh, Instead of having songs from uh, 1952, I thought what we would do is play a little homespun music since, you know, we're out in the Old West. And um, Ken Curtis played Festus on the TV show Gunsmoke. That was after Dennis Weaver left for other things, who, of course, played Chester on television. And many people don't realize that uh, Ken Curtis was one of the lead singers on the Sons of the Pioneers. So we're going to go out with a song uh, from him about his mule. And then we're going to have good old homespun John Denver singing about something everybody loves this time of year, homegrown tomatoes. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I'm so glad you met me. started in 1861, the war, well, it had just begun to be a war. I wasn't much, so to speak, a mule skinner, not one to seek fame or fortune, especially in no war. Now, every man's got a pride, most times it's deep inside about his job, and mine was attending mules. My favorite was the long-eared Jenny. Now, I reckon you'll think that I'm a ninny because I loved her just like I'd love my mother. She was faithful, stout, and she was smart, and friend, she had lots of heart. If she'd been a man, I'd have loved her like a brother. Well, we'd fought back with all we had, but still the war was going bad, for in 64, Schofield hit us Tennessee boys hard. Just 30 miles away at dawn near Spring Hill on early morn, five generals that bore Confederate gray had chitlins and bacon, eggs and grits, 
Lord, they'd planned to give him fits, but the tide of war just went the other way. The five brave men that led Hood's charge was met by artillery barrage that mowed them down just like so much hay. Now somebody had to get them men, and by golly, I can't remember when I've ever been so proud as I was that day. Just take old Ruth, the captain said, and when it got dark, I slowly led my Jenny to the Harpeth River's bike. I found them young boys in gray, and when on Ruth's back they stiffly lay, I started back, but then my spirit sort of sank. A dad blamed sentry opened for, and them Yankees did conspire to add me to their list of casualties. Old Ruth, she just plowed along, not a-listening to the bullet song, just brushed them off like they was a swarm of bees. Well, somehow we got back that night, and I thank God I was all right. I'd brought them boys from where they was a-laying. I hadn't even got a scratch, so I lit my pipe, and when the match flared up, I seen old Ruth was just a swaying. Blood was running down her side. My throat choked up, and then I cried, and she looked at me, and her eyes was soft and brown. She seemed to say, now don't cry for me. We had a job to do, you see. And then old Ruth just seemed to slide right down. There's a marker I put on her grave It reads, here lies a mule who gave her life And that's the truth Now every mule I'll ever own Will bear your name So be it known While I'm alive They'll always be a Ruth Yeah They'll always be a Ruth Morning and out in the garden, get your ripe ones, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, eat them in the summer. All winter without them's a culinary bummer. I forgot all about the sweating and the digging. Every time I go out and pick me a pickin'. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'd life be without homegrown tomatoes? Only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. Homegrown tomato won't cure Put them in a salad, put them in a stew You can make your own very own tomato juice You can eat them with eggs and eat them with gravy You can eat them with beans, pinto or navy Put them on the side, put them in the middle A homegrown tomato on a hot cake griddle Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes What'd life be without homegrown tomatoes? Only two things that money can't buy And that's true love and homegrown tomatoes Ha <laughs> ha! 
life I lead You can call me Johnny Tomato Seed Cause I know what this country needs It's homegrown tomato in every yard you see When I die, don't bury me In a box in a cold, dark cemetery Out in the garden would be much better Cause I could be a pushing up a homegrown tomatoes Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes What a life be without homegrown tomatoes There's only two things that money can't buy And that's true love Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes What a life be without homegrown tomatoes There's only two things that money can't buy 